and welcome back to Call Dark Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Delenda. I live in France. I blog at Britishly So on Tumblr, and you can find me on Twitter at Delenda Dia. And I am Michelle. I am in America. I blog at Poldark Muses, and you can find me on Twitter at Musings. Rita still having Wi-Fi issues, so Delanda and I are going to be your hosts for our new very quick rewatch series, which we started with our previous episode, and we hope you guys are enjoying and watching along with us. Uh, feel free to message any comments you have on these episodes at the usual places. So, with that, we're going to get right into our discussion of 2.02. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Our quick recap begins with Demelza again trying her luck in the assembly rooms. Uh, she encounters the Penvenons, meets her future BFF, Caroline, and asks Uncle Ray to try and influence Ross's judge. He thinks that's a terrible idea and refuses, as well he should. So what does she do? She wheedles out enough information to figure out which one of these old dudes is the judge and approaches the guy herself. Um, unfortunately, no matter how charming she is, George is sneakier and outs her as Ross's wife and basically fucks her over. Why do you hate him? What has he ever done to deserve it? I doubt you'd understand. Because I am not so well-bred as you. I am a miner's daughter, but you are a blacksmith's grandson. What is the difference? The difference is that you will always be a miner's daughter, whereas I am a gentleman. I am a gentleman's wife. Soon to be a gentleman's widow. Oh, what a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, my God. No, George. That, yeah, George. George is a muffin fluffin'. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Dwight and Caroline also meet at the assembly rooms and do some hella flirting. Mm -hmm. Caroline makes some droll remarks about the rabble outside, which naturally sets Dwight off. Hashtag rom-com. <laughs> Dwight mentions he is going to pick for us at tomorrow's trial. I look forward to seeing you acquit yourself. Happily, it's not I who is on trial. Are you quite certain of that? And they fight some more. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Next up, we have an angry ginger man, whose name we never find out, who starts ranting. This election is a joke. What difference do it make? Who suffers when mine's close? Not fancy folk. Stuffed to gizzards with beef, while we scrape by on black bread and beech leaves. In France, they wouldn't stand for it. Or he's coming to Bodmin soon enough, it won't be long before we you down truer. Been out there, have you? Tis like a powder keg. Later, when they call out the election results, the dude gets angry and starts throwing horse shit at Unwin. Which is, <laughs> which is, which is pretty funny, but uh, really, actually, not a very good thing for this dude to do. This starts a bit of a mess with other people in the crowd joining in. So he is naturally jailed and charged with, are you ready for the parallels? The exact same thing that Ross was charged with. What? I know, but you know, because he's poor and ginger and the world is a cruel place, he winds up being hung. Oh, BT dubs, Francis isn't dead. His gun misfired. He decides he won't kill himself that day. Yay! <laughs> Lord. Ross's lawyer is pretty certain he's going to be found guilty, so he decided the best tactic is to seem apologetic and contrite. 
He writes him a speech to say it, but Ross is like, nah, brah. Instead of thinking about his wife or his family and trying to come home alive, he's going to just blag his way through it. Of course he is. The day of the trial, Ross pleads not guilty and then witness after witness testifies and lies against him. Yes. Elizabeth shows up in Truro. I came for Francis. Yeah, yeah, you did. Sure you did. Demelza sees her outside the courthouse and tells her she is pregnant. <gasps> she hasn't told Ross yet, but you know, he has bigger shit to worry about. <laughs> and basically, <laughs> and basically, all they can do is pray he isn't found guilty. Amen. Oh, God. Let's see. So, Judd testifies, and in a shocking twist, he has some decency and doesn't turn on Ross much as he'd planned to, and much to Ross's amusement and everyone else's annoyance. Dwight gets up uh, for the defense and says he thinks Ross was unstable at the time of the shipwreck. <laughs> Basically, dude lost his mind at the time. Uh, Ross goes up to give his statement, and although he starts reading the proposed contrite speech, he goes completely off book. It is true that I saw a wreck come in that I rode and told several villagers that a number of people came upon the beach and that items were carried away, though not by me. My house was searched and none were found. Why? Because I took none. The council has suggested that I'm a revolutionary, that these people are revolutionaries, branded with a desire to overthrow authority. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The people of Saul, Mellon, and Grambler, who came upon the beach that day were ordinary people, no more or no less law-abiding, loyal subjects than any here. As to what happened when they came upon the beach, I ask you to think of the traditions of our county. That people scour the beaches for flotsam. This is commonly known. But in times of dire need, when fathers have seen their children without a crust for their bellies or a rag for their backs, these pickings have been the means of keeping ordinary people alive. What else would you have them do? after they have rescued the crew and brought goods ashore, are they then to await the arrival of the excisemen and watch them carry off the goods that they have salvaged? You ask if I was in my right mind. Well, you've heard evidence that I was not. But is it insanity to think that rich pickings strewn across a beach are better used to sustain those in need than return to those whose only goal is profit? I cannot believe it. I will not believe it. I make no apology for my actions. In truth, I would do the same again. And like an 80s sports movie, his rousing speech <laughs> is enough to win the state championship. I mean, get him out of jail. And the jury finds him innocent. Everyone is relieved, including Elizabeth and Francis, who kind of reconcile whilst simultaneously dealing with zero of their shit. Mm -hmm. Confusing times. Ross returns home to find Judd and Prudy on his doorstep. The fam is reunited. Yay! 
Uh, George is pissed and starts plotting his revenge again, buying up all the shares in Will Leisure. You overlook one thing. Ross Poldark is alive and must be aware of our attempts to render him otherwise. And? He does not strike me as a man who takes such things lying down. After all, he's a soldier. A renegade? Your point? That in failing to get him hanged, you have left yourself exposed. All right. Didn't quite have a contingency plan, did you, bro? <laughs> George starts slipping with a loaded pistol because, yeah, you know, <laughs> Ross is alive. And Ross is alive. He's ready to get after him. Yeah, he's alive and he's probably pretty pissed at you right now. Uh, let's see. So Ross and Demelza get ready for bed that night. Demelza tells him about her wish for a child, and Ross tells her not to wish it, that their future is so uncertain, and then proceeds to make love to his wife. Because that's how babies are made, Ross. <laughs> and end of episode two! Yes! Okay. So, <laughs> general observations. Yeah. Let's start with Dwight and Caroline, because these two were on fire! Oh, yeah. These two were serving up major sex eyes. Also, we are not entirely sure what the hell was going on with the election because it seemed to mirror elections today with thousands of votes called, but considering only Linda Gentry could vote at the time, that is very, very wrong. So please, could someone explain this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did do a bit of research online and came up with some good intel at the nationalarchives.uk.gov. Um, and, you know, what we see in the show is basically what was happening in the late 18th, early 19th century in Britain. You know, very few people had the right to vote. And as I was getting further into some of the, the detail, you know, they were talking about how, um, you know, 214,000 people um, across England and Wales had the right to vote, which was less than 3% of the total population of approximately 8 million people. Meanwhile, in Scotland, the electorate was even smaller. Uh, in 1831, there were only 4,500 men out of a population of more than 2.6 million people who were entitled to vote in parliamentary elections. Uh, large, in, you know, large industrial cities like Leeds, Birmingham, and Manchester didn't have a single MP between them. Meanwhile, rotten boroughs, quote, quote, uh, such as uh, Dunwich in Suffolk, which had a population of 32 in 1831, were still sending two MPs what? to Westminster. I know, right? <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. I know. So anyhow, uh, we'll go ahead and plunk the link to uh, the information that I found um, on our blog post. And uh, if there are any folks that are real serious history wonks out there, Shoot us an ask with some more details. Um, we would love to learn more about this. And you never know, you could wind up being invited on the podcast to share some of your thoughts. Yeah. Could happen. Anywho, so performance of the week. Still Kyle. Mm-hmm. Because stop for I will weep for joy is the single greatest line <laughs> in this show. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, Francis. That my was love. great. That was great. <laughs> Uh, and one of the things that that really struck me was, you know, the the 
performance of the gentleman who played Ross's lawyer did such a great job at kind of tightening up the 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 threat that was happening um and that was facing Ross um in in getting him to kind of slowly come to the realization that this was this was pretty serious. I mean, when you think about it, Ross's slow realization of the seriousness of the trial and the implications were really well done, you know, to go across episodes one and two, you know, from his flippantly saying, this entire thing is nonsense, I'll be back before you know I've even gone, to the point where he winds up sitting in the courtroom, this look of of fear crossing his eyes and saying to his lawyer, will I have a chance to say goodbye to my wife? I mean, it was it was great to see how that tension built and built and built within Ross. Um, but, you know, one of the things that Rita said was that there were several times when uh, the editing had cuts to random things like um, on the bench talking or this or that that seemed to kind of break that buildup of the tension. Um, but, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, I thought that that they did a, a really great job uh, with this episode as well. Um, yeah, think... the actor who played the lawyer was uh, amazing. I mm -hmm. mean, you could see that he was like, what the hell is my client doing? Like, <laughs> this is a matter of death. Like, you could die. You have a wife. And at the time, he still didn't know that he, she was pregnant. But still, mm -hmm. he had a wife. And he was like, you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to die for this. But then... <laughs> You could see, like, I think it was Rita who talked about this, the inequality, because we referred oh, yeah. to the ginger man. Like, he was, uh, he was uh, involved in the same uh, activities that, uh, for which he was um, committed for trial. And then he was hung. And then at the end of the episode, Ross is, like, announced free. So, again, it was uh, a marvelous way of highlighting uh, the, um, the injustice. And uh, so, yeah, I agree uh, completely uh, with Rita about um, the lawyer. I thought he was, uh, I don't know the name of the actor, but uh, I really I'm, love I'm going to look it up he, right uh, now. <laughs> he... Yeah, IMDB is our friend. Yeah, for the lawyer, I really loved uh, the actor who portrayed um, him. I thought he did an amazing job at um, trying to, um, you know, bring conscience to Ross, bring bring him awareness like you could not go back to your wife do you realize that and uh, I agree that uh, Aiden really portrayed uh, perfectly the moment when he said uh, will I be able to say goodbye to my wife because <laughs> he didn't realize the uh, <laughs> the gravity yeah. of the uh, situation but it's typical Ross again yeah it's like dude seriously you could die you could die <laughs> you could die and and I just love the in how incredulous the, the lawyer was whenever Ross would, you know, say, well, I'm going to do it this way. And he would just kind of like, <laughs> shake his head like, are you out of your mind, dude? And when I, I thought my favorite part was after Ross finished his speech and he goes and sits down <laughs> and the lawyer is looking straight ahead. He can't even look <laughs> at Ross. And so is Ross. And Ross, is, Ross says something like, Sorry about that. And the, boss, and, oh, yeah. and the lawyer's like, it's okay. You know? I thought that okay. was just You're going to die. Not my problem. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> all right. It's, it's done. There's nothing that we can undo now. So anyhow, um, I, honest to God, I can't find the lawyer's name. So we, we apologize, Ross's lawyer, for... Well, you were still amazing. For continuing to blather about you, uh, 
not even using your name. You were fantastic. And I... Fantastic. I, yeah. And, you know, even though, you know, Kyle was really amazing in this, I, I thought the lawyer did an outstanding job. Yeah, Kudos. well, speaking of, of Kyle, um, can I just say that I think one of my favorite moments of this episode was, um, well, after Ross is announced free, mm -hmm. uh, well, um, Francis, he joins Elizabeth outside, mm -hmm. and uh, I can't remember the dialogue um, exactly, but uh, Elizabeth is like, uh, uh, why wouldn't, wouldn't you have come home? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think it was asking like... Uh, I wonder if you would have wept so uh, yes. so much if I had not come home. I thought it was again so bittersweet. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and uh, you know, and she's like, "Well, why why wouldn't you come home?" And he's you know basically mm. says, "Well, you know that's unimportant now. You know, we're, we're Ross is free, and we're gonna go back home." And 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 it it's she has no idea how lucky she she was. Um, <sighs> you know, but you know, damn girl. Anyway. Yeah, that's it for this week, you guys. We've come to the end of our podcast. So again, thanks for joining us. We will be back again next week with a rewatch of episode three. So again, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at PaulDarkPodcast or you can message us directly at PaulDarkPodcast.tumblr.com because we love hearing from you guys. So again, thank you. Take care and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Freedom! Freedom!